when somebody does something really nice to you, like Chuck has done for me, uh, and I do something bad for him, I owe him an apology. Uh, when I sent my sermon text in, and the title was Keep Your Pearls and Holy Things, I knew I made up the title, and I sent it in. I knew what it was. But when I saw it in print in a church bulletin, and I thought that, and I know that ministers are supposed to encourage you to give like we encourage you to vote. You know, vote early, vote often. You know, we should, I should encourage you to give early and give often. And here I am, my sermon title says to keep your pearls and your holy things. And Chuck is probably saying, I'd like to see those things in the offering plates, you know. So, uh, I, and so when I was looking, I could have titled this sermon, Hogs and Dogs. And that would have been just fine, no offense meant to anybody. Uh, but, uh, but I didn't do that, so... I'll try to do better in the future. You're a, okay, you, you've forgiven me? Yeah. I wonder if he really has. <laughs> Isn't that what we always say? I've forgiven you. you know? Sometimes we mean it and sometimes we don't. But on a more serious note, please follow along in Matthew chapter 7 as I read the first six verses. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you can see, will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. The word of the Lord. Have you ever been misjudged by somebody else? You went out and you intended to help somebody, but they took your words or actions as an offense rather than the way that you intended to uh, have it work out? Or have you ever misjudged someone else's actions or words? Maybe you've misjudged someone and you never even realized it. Now, those things have happened and they will probably continue to happen, but there's an area of misjudging that you can absolutely put a stop to in your own life one area you are responsible for is what you think of other people. I truly believe that if you will apply the principles that are taught in this passage, you can change what you think about other people. Now keep in mind, I'm not going to keep repeating this, but this in Matthew chapter 7 was in a sermon that was delivered by Jesus mainly to believers. So if you can think of Jesus as actually saying these words to you individually, personally, this uh, uh, message will take on more meaning. But what you can't do is to look at the one who is speaking and say, I don't see these traits or characteristics in him. 
If all sermons preached are measured against the preacher, then the sermon will certainly fail. Now, there's a number of biblical passages that teach on pride and self-righteousness and judgmental uh, people, but this passage is probably one of the most effective at communicating or convicting us of our errors uh, in these areas. There was a cartoonist by the name of H.T. Webster, and he amused himself one time. He sent out 20 congratulatory notes to 20 friends. Now, none of the friends had done anything, uh, anything special, but they were so flattered, he got back 20 uh, notes or letters of thanks. You said they all assumed they were doing something special, but their pride just needed a little bit of stroking and their egos raised to the surface. Now, our text is concerned with people making wrong judgments about themselves. It's not about other people. The emphasis on this in this passage is on us individually. It starts off and it says, don't judge because, in verse 1, you will be judged. In verse 2, don't judge because you will be judged and it will be measured right back to you. Verse 3 and 4 talks about the plank in your eye. There's a reference to a speck in your brother's eye, but the main emphasis is you. Verse 5 says, you hypocrite, clean your own eye first. Verse 6 says, if you judge and you do these things, you will be attacked and torn to pieces and your judgments will be trampled underfoot. Now, I want to state that when I'm referring to judging, I'm referring to judging motives, not actions. If I said terrorists murder indiscriminately, that's not a judgment, that's a fact. We're not judging when we say that abortions are anti-biblical, they're wrong, that's a fact. We're not judging anything or anybody. You see, we see actions, but we cannot see motives. So the idea is don't pass judgment on motives. Let God take care of that. God sees motives. Romans chapter 2 and verse 16 says, God will judge men's secrets by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. We don't have to. God takes care of that. False righteousness encourages us to judge others incorrectly. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in verse 12 says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed unless he falls. So the main emphasis of this text is that you and I judge others incorrectly because we judge ourselves falsely. When pride steps in, we look down on other people. Now, part of the good news of this passage is that you can spare yourselves of the judgment that is spoken about in verse 6. The principle that is taught here is that our judgments bring judgment upon ourselves. And this is shown in three ways. 
First, in verse 1, it says, We shall be judged, and he's talking to Christians, to believers. If you judge yourself, then you are preparing for the final judgment, and that is good. When you judge others, you are playing God, and that is bad. Secondly, in verse 2, it says, We will be judged, or it shows in verse 2, that we will be judged by the same criteria that we use. We receive what we give, we reap what we sow. Hosea chapter 10 in verse 2 says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, and you will reap in mercy. You sow, you reap. The, that's an old message, and it hasn't changed a bit. Thirdly, in verses 3 through 5, we have two aspects here. First, it says to worry about the plank in your own eye. It's obviously greater than a speck. There's a quote, and I don't know where it came from, but it says, Lord, where I am wrong, make me willing to change. Where I am right, make me easy to live with. You see, the, self, the self-righteous person sees no real sin in himself. Now, in here, I bet every one of us in here will say, yes, I'm a sinner. Okay, you just admitted you're a sinner. But you probably didn't admit that you have real sin. You just have little tiny ones that you and God ignore. But we miss the real sin in ourselves. We, the self-righteous person, really sees no God for God's grace in his behalf because, yeah, we're sinners, but, you know, they don't amount to much at all. A proud person is seldom a grateful person, and a grateful person is seldom a proud person. The second aspect in verse 5, he says, clean out your own eyes first. When your eyes are clean, then you can clean somebody else's eyes. But if you cannot face your own shortcomings and actually do something about them, you can't sit in judgment on other people. The call is to recognize sin and do something about it and stop doing it. So if on Monday you say you're a sinner and you say you're a sinner on Tuesday, make sure you're confessing different sins on Tuesday than you did on Monday. Doing the same one over and over may make you happy, but somehow I think God gets uh, tired of that. Now, I want to see how verses 1 and 5 ties in with verse 6. Verse 6 talks about giving holy things to dogs and casting pearls before pigs. Some people say the pearls and the holy things represent the word of God and that we must take care of it and protect it, but that doesn't fit in with the context at all. Interjecting God's word as being trampled on isn't part of the narrative. Some people say dogs and pigs are those who refuse to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus isn't calling people dogs and pigs. At that time, dogs and swine or pigs, where they were the bottom of the heap, they were filthy, they were untouchable. Some people say the pearls and holy things were non-believers or Gentiles. But this is not how we should think of non-believers. Christ came for the Gentiles. He came to bring them in. All mankind is made in the image of God, and all mankind has value to God. 
verse 6 is designed to prevent something from happening because they keep saying, don't do these things because this is what is going to happen. So think for a minute. What does that which is holy mean in the flow of teaching within, uh, uh, this, uh, within this narrative? Think, why do dogs attack and pigs trample holy things and pearls underfoot? Think, what is protected by this injunction in verse 6? We should focus on who or what will be attacked and why. The real warning in this passage is that the one who gives and uh, casts out is in danger of an attack on these things and on the person itself that's doing this. Now, there's partly uh, a lack of appreciation for these things, uh, but that's not really the whole picture. Vengeance is the essence. If you cast these things before dogs and swine, an attack will take place, a vicious attack. Those who give and cast certain things can expect retaliation. Not rejection, but revenge is the threat here. The dogs and the swine, they're not rejecting these things. They're attacking these things. Verse 2 says, remember, it will be measured back to you what it is that you do this. If we can grasp this idea of retaliation, then we will be able to understand this passage uh, a little bit better. Verse 6 really means and this is kind of messes translation here a little bit, and I'll ask Chuck afterwards if I went too far with it. Don't tell me now. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Verse 6 means, give not what you consider holy to those that you consider to be dogs. Do not cast what you consider to be your pearls before those whom you consider to be pigs. These things that you cast are not special. They're not holy. They're not pearls. Only you think they are special and holy. The people are not dogs and pigs, but you think they are because you're treating them that way. Your actions show it that that's what you consider these people to be. Jesus is using a little bit of tongue-in-cheek sarcasm here. He did this in other places as well. In Mark chapter 2 and in Matthew chapter 9 and in Luke chapter 5, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. That's tongue-in-cheek. No one is righteous. Only those who think they are righteous fall into that category. Scripture says nobody is righteous. That is why Christ died, because none of us are righteous. We can't be righteous without his death. Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said, I say to you there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just people who need no repentance. That's tongue-in-cheek. 
uh, 99 really righteous and only one needs repentance? No, that's tongue-in-cheek sarcasm. None of us are righteous. We all need repentance. And we need repentance in many different areas. And today's text is just one of those areas. Verse 6 is really just a clever way of saying the same thing that the first five verses say. The warning is that if you speak against someone, remember we're talking about motives, if you speak against someone, you can expect the same treatment. Retaliation will be the result of your judgment. The biblical sarcasm in verse 6 says, These sacred things and these pearls are precious in your sight, but they are better kept to yourself or they will be returned to you in the same manner that you passed them out. Judgment is precious to the one who pronounces it or thinks it, but not to anybody else. There's two thoughts here. Verses 1, verse 2, and verse 6 are teaching us that retaliation can be avoided if you do not sit in judgment. That's good news. Remember, we're talking about motives, not actions. And then secondly, verses 3 and 5 tell us we're not fit to judge anyway. That's the bottom line. We're not fit to judge anyway. We have a straightforward commandment in verse 1, and it's explained in verses 2 through verse 6. Some people, a lot of people today, read just the first part of verse 1. Judge not that you will be not judged. We might speak out against abortion, and people say, you're judging. We speak out against Sharia law, and people say, you're judging. No, we're not. Those are facts. Those are things that we can see. Don't judge motives. So if you compare verse 1 and compare verse 6, verse 1 says, do not judge. And verse 6 says, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs. If you do, your judgments will be stomped on and trampled underfoot and you will wind up being the one who is judged. People are only animals in the the eye of the beholder, the one who's doing the judging. These things are not sacred objects. They're not real pearls. No one throws pearls before pigs. No one throws holy things uh, uh, in a kennel with a mad dog. Nobody does those things. These are our judgments. They are our condemning attitudes. And they reflect our ability to get along with other people. But if you have no sin in your life, throw the first stone and enjoy yourself. You can sit in judgment and the rest of us will have to sit back and watch perfection in action. (laughs) If you have no bad thoughts or actions about other people, then this text and this message just doesn't apply to you. Judgment calls forth judgment. It will be measured back. Now, we're all guilty. So the big question is, what are we going to do about it? As Christians, we'll say, well, repent and confess. Yes, then what? Stop doing it. Daniel, Dennis Lee Curtis was arrested for robbery a while ago in Rapid City, South Dakota. And in his wallet, the police found his code of ethics. And he had eight codes of ethics that he followed. 
the first one was, I will not kill anyone unless I have to. <laughs> He's not a bad guy. He says, I will take cash and food stamps, but no checks. Thirdly, he said, I'll rob only at night. Fourthly, I will not wear a mask. I will not rob mini-mats or 7-Eleven stores. He was caught robbing one. But anyway, that was part of his code of ethics. He says, if I get chased on foot by cops, I'll get away. If I'm chased in a vehicle, I will not put the lives of innocent people on the line. Number seven, I'll rob only seven months a year. And number, number eight, I'll enjoy robbing from the rich to give to the poor. I wonder if he really did. But now, the point is that Dennis Curtis had a sense of morality, of right and wrong. The problem is it was flawed. When he stood before the court, he was not judged by the standards that he set for himself. He was, he was judged by the higher laws of the state. Likewise, when we stand before God, we will not be judged by the code of morality or ethics that we have accepted or written by ourselves. We will receive either mercy or justice from God. Now I want to conclude with a story about an old man and a boy and a donkey. If you've heard this before, just pretend you haven't and look at me and smile, okay? There's an old man and his grandson, and they were traveling, and the grandson was riding on the donkey, and the man was walking beside the grandson on the donkey, and he heard some mumbling. He said, and people were saying, look at that. The healthy young boy is riding the donkey, and the old man is walking. What's this newer generation coming to? So they switched positions, and the man rode, and the boy walked, and he heard people saying, Look at that healthy man riding and the little boy is walking. How self-centered can that man be? So to stop the finger pointing, they both walked beside the donkey. That didn't work. The people were saying, how dumb can they be? They have a donkey and they're both walking. So to stop the criticism, they both got on the donkey. You're absolutely right. They said, how can they be so cruel as to both ride the same donkey? Well, finally, the old man thought of a perfect plan to stop criticism. He tried carrying the donkey in the boy. <laughs> hey, he tried, right? The grandfather and the grandson had the best of motives. Yet they were judged harshly by others regardless of what they did. The problem is nobody asked them, why are you riding or why are you walking? People misunderstood their actions because they didn't know the motives of the individuals involved. So, have you ever done this <clears throat> to a classmate or a co-worker or a neighbor or a family member or to other people within the church? Are there people within this church that you have been critical of because you didn't know their motives? You were right about what they did. You were absolutely right. But you have no idea why they did what they did. You know, just 
asking takes care of all of these problems. Say, why did you, I saw you do this, why did you do it? Just tell them you're curious. Nosy, you know, <laughs> but I mean, it will help you out. One last scripture, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, he has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Can you do those three things? He said, God has already shown you what's good. Everybody here knows what's good. You do. I know you do. So now, all you have to do, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Let us close in prayer, thinking of these things in our minds. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, Jesus Christ preached to the people. He preached to the unrepentant and he preached to the repentant. Father, in this particular case, he delivered a message for his own people, his church, for believers. He preached it for us. Father, let us take his words and apply them to our hearts and our minds and then apply them to our actions. Let us Cease the sin that we're aware of and then work on others. And Father, let us never judge motives, but let us inquire about motives that we may never have our judgments turned back onto ourselves. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.